How many of you ever complain? How many of you are liars? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't see too many hands about complaining, so I was just wondering. You know, I complain about the smallest things. You can just ask my wife, Suzanne. Um, I complain about the water not getting filled back up in the refrigerator. Um, you know, uh, the little things. But, you know, we, we tend to complain about those little things. We, can, we, we tend to complain about our circumstances. Oh, it's too hot outside. And then before you know it, we'll say, oh, it's too cold outside. We're never, never content. Right? Oh, I wish it would rain. Oh, I wish it would stop raining. We complain about our circumstances. Now, I've shared this story a number of times, uh, a story that I first heard from Laney, our children's minister, about Corey Tim Boone. But I was reminded of this story as we are talking about complaining versus proclaiming Jesus no matter our circumstances. Corey, Tim Boom, and her sister Betsy were Dutch Christians that helped hide Jews uh, during the beginning of the Nazi regime during World War II. And after her and her whole family, including her father, was arrested for this, they were placed in a concentration camp. And Corey documents much of her life in her book called The Hiding Place. And she recounts the story from uh, sort of when, the, when they first got to the concentration camp, very close to the beginning of their time there. And her and her sister Betsy were complaining uh, because of their environment, because of their circumstances. They'd had a close neighbor who had actually turned them in, they found out about. Um, and, and so they were just complaining about all of these different things. And then they read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, where Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. And so since they were reminded to give thanks in all circumstances, they began to verbally list out the things that they were thankful for. And one of the things that uh, Corey's sister Betsy said that she was thankful for was for the fleas. Now, as she documented, they were literally everywhere in their barracks, even in the straw that they slept in. And she began to laugh, thinking, there's no way that we could be thankful for these fleas. But it wasn't too much longer that Betsy and Corey began to realize that they had quite a bit of freedom, for a concentration camp at least, inside of their bunkhouse. In fact, the guards wouldn't come inside the place that they were staying at all. And so they were free to, to read their Bible out loud. They were free to lead Bible studies and share Jesus with the other inmates that were there in the concentration camp, the other prisoners that were there in the concentration camp. And they realized that it was because of those fleas. Those fleas kept the guards from coming in to their bunkhouse. Now the sisters, they could have complained as they had started to about those fleas and their conditions, but instead they chose to give thanks despite their circumstances. They gave thanks because they were willing to give thanks in all circumstances, even for the fleas. And because of this, they were able to share Jesus with the other prisoners in the camp. They were able to lead Bible studies with them. Last week, we started this new series 
going through Paul's letter to the Philippians, and we began to discover that we can find joy for our journey. And that comes when we grow to become mature followers of Jesus, when we grow to become people who are living for Jesus and living like Jesus. Last week, we met some of the Philippians there, and we learned that how they were living mature for Jesus. They did that because they partnered with God for the work of the gospel. They did that because they were receiving discernment from God, and they were bearing the fruit of righteousness. Well, this morning, what we're going to see is that we can find joy for our journey when we learn to proclaim the name of Jesus, no matter our circumstances. So Paul writes this letter to the Philippians, and as he does, he is actually faced with two different circumstances, two different problems for him. And in both of them, he declares that even though they look like they are difficult, even though they look like challenges, he actually saw them as God using them for opportunities for the gospel. And the first problem that Paul faced was the fact that he was in prison. Now, for a traveling ap uh, uh, um, apostle, man, this would have put a kink in his plans, right? That's what he did. He traveled around from city to city, and now he's locked up in prison. He's locked up in chains, and he could have seen this as a hindrance. So the second problem that Paul faced was that there were all kinds of people going around and talking about Jesus and not in a good way. They weren't doing it because they believed in his message. They were actually only talking about Jesus because they wanted to stir up more trouble for Paul in his imprisonment. But Paul, with his strong belief in the way that God works through unlikely circumstances, is ready with an answer. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to Philippians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We would love to give you a copy of one. If you're looking for the book of Philippians, it's on the right side of your Bibles. Um, comes right after the book of Ephesians and right before the book of Colossians. We'll have it up here on the screen as well. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, and we'll start there in verse 12. Read along with me. Paul says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, and they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So let's pause there for just a moment. We begin to get some insight into Paul's circumstances. Paul sees his circumstances as a greater progress for the gospel. And even though his circumstances could have been seen as a hindrance, and therefore Paul could have complained about his circumstances, Paul rather sees how God is working in and through him and in and through his circumstances. So what, what was Paul's current circumstances? Well, first, he was imprisoned for the cause of Christ. He says there in verse 13 that he is in chains for Christ. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 
we begin to get a picture of some of the other circumstances that Paul had, had faced and gone through in his life. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, we see this. Paul says, but we, do not, uh, but we put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, and in troubles, and in hardships, and distresses, and in beatings, and imprisonments, and in riots, and in hard work, in sleepless nights, and in hunger. Paul, here in 2 Corinthians, just like in Philippians, is beginning to unpack some of the circumstances that he found himself in, and he is trying to, to convey to the churches in these different places that no matter the circumstances that he finds himself in, whether it's in prison, or whether he's being beaten, or whether he goes without sleep, or whether he's in trouble or hardship, that no matter what his circumstances, through Paul, Jesus is going to be proclaimed the ministry of Jesus was not going to be discredited Jesus is going to be preached through Paul in chapter 11 of 2nd Corinthians he gives us some more detail about his circumstances he says I have worked much harder I've been in prison more frequently I've been flogged more severely I've been exposed to death again and again Five times I have received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been, in const- I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers. I have been in danger from bandits. I have been in danger from my fellow Jews. I have been in danger from Gentiles. I have been in danger in the city. I have been in danger in the country. I have been in danger in the sea. I've been in danger from false believers. I have labored and I've toiled and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I have often gone without food. I have been cold, I have been naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Who is weak that I do not feel weak? Who is led to sin that I do not inwardly burn? Paul here in 2 Corinthians is actually trying to defend his right to be an apostle of Jesus. And, and he is bragging almost sarcastically about his circumstances and his suffering, all to, in the end, bring glory to God. But we get a little more detail about some of the circumstances that Paul found himself in from time to time. Paul had gone through this and much more. But listen to his attitude through all of these different circumstances. Listen to his, his attitude in, in spite of his situations and his circumstances. In 2 Corinthians 12, he says, But he said to me, talking about Jesus, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, and in hardships, in persecution, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For the sake of Jesus, 
Paul delighted in his weaknesses, in his suffering. Paul delighted in his circumstances, even when his circumstances were bad. For Christ's sake, Paul would delight. Jesus was going to be proclaimed in and through Paul no matter what. Jesus was going to be preached no matter what through Paul. No matter what situation and what circumstance Paul found himself in, the name of Jesus was going to be preached. Paul saw his circumstances, even the difficult ones, even being in prison, being in chains, as a greater progress of the gospel. No matter the circumstances, Paul was going to preach Jesus. And look at his attitude here in Philippians 1. Look at verse 15. He said, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Now, we aren't exactly sure who Paul was talking about when he said people preach Christ out of selfish ambition but we don't have to look very far in our world to see that truth as well. There are pastors and preachers who preach Jesus out of selfish ambition, but what's clear from the text here is that their only purpose for preaching Jesus was to stir up trouble for Paul there in verse 15. Some people think that this may have been a rival Christian group, but more than likely this was actually unbelievers who were simply talking about the latest gossip and trying to stir up more trouble for Paul. Have you heard the news? They caught that crazy Paul. And he's that one that's been going around saying that there's a new king of Rome and of the world. And you know what? He said that new king is a Jew that they killed a couple of years ago. And now he's saying that he's alive again. Can you believe it? He's just a troublemaker, and now he's in prison. They were just trying to stir up more trouble for Paul. But Paul says, hey, look, no matter what, even if it means more trouble for me, if Jesus is being shared, he says, I rejoice. Whether their motives are pure or selfish, if Jesus is being preached, then Paul says, praise God for it, even if it meant more trouble for Paul. Paul rejoices if Jesus is preached. Now this is a reality check for me. I don't know if it is for you. Because there are people who preach the name of Jesus for impure motives. There are people who preach Jesus out of ego. There are people who preach Jesus out of greed and for money. And Paul is in no way trying to justify wrong motives for people who are preaching the name of Jesus. He just simply says that as long as Jesus' name is being preached, then he praises God 
for it. You see, through Paul, he was going to make sure that the name of Jesus was proclaimed no matter the circumstances that he found himself in. And so that got me thinking this week. What circumstances do we find ourselves in? What circumstances do you find yourself in? Now, we've looked at some of the bad circumstances, but maybe your circumstances aren't, aren't necessarily bad, but maybe they are. But what are your circumstances? Or are you a husband? Are you a wife? And if you are, are you preaching Jesus? Are you proclaiming the name of Jesus in your marriage? Are you a parent? Are you a grandparent? Are you proclaiming Jesus to your children and your grandchildren? Are you a child? Are you proclaiming Jesus to your parents? Are you preaching Jesus in the way that you live and the things that you say? Are you showing your classmates at school what it looks like to follow Jesus? Are you a teacher? Are you a school administrator? Are you on school staff? Are you preaching Jesus with your words and with your actions? Are you setting examples for your students and your coworkers and your friends to follow? Are you a boss or a worker? Are you proclaiming Jesus at your workplace? Are you starting a new job? Are you going to proclaim Jesus in your workplace? Are you a neighbor? Are you loving your neighbors in a way that shows them what it means to follow Jesus? Are you proclaiming Jesus in those relationships? Are you a friend? Are you sharing Jesus with your friends? Now, all of those are pretty positive. But are you sick? Are you proclaiming Jesus even in the midst of your sickness? Are you healthy? Are you praising God and proclaiming Jesus in your health? Are you hurting? Are you depressed? Are you praising God and proclaiming the name of Jesus even in the midst of your pain and your suffering? Are you rich? Are you poor? Are you proclaiming Jesus? I hope you're starting to get the idea. No matter the circumstances that we find ourselves in, we can proclaim the name of Jesus just like Paul did. No matter the circumstances that we find ourselves in, we can proclaim and preach the name of Jesus. But the choice is ours. How will we respond in the circumstances that we are in? Now, here at Journey Church, we say it like this. We say that all of us, all of us, not some of us, but every single one of us, no matter the circumstances, all of us go out and build authentic relationships with the lost in our community and around the world to communicate the gospel of Jesus. And friends, we truly believe that in and through our relationships with others, in and through our relationships with our spouses, our kids, our coworkers, our neighbors, our friends, the people who are around us, we believe that in and through these relationships that God opens up opportunities for us to proclaim Jesus in them. 
But it only happens when we are building those authentic relationships with the lost. In fact, one of our goals here as a church is for each one, each one of us, not just some of us, but each and every one of us, each one to reach one. We want to be a people who are intentional about building relationships with people who are far from Jesus. And then when God opens up those opportunities to proclaim the name of Jesus to them. This is for all of us, not just some of us, not just our staff, not just our elders, but for each and every one of us to go out and to proclaim Jesus in our homes, in our schools, in our workplace, in our community, and around the world. And friends, if we are going to proclaim Jesus in all of those different places, then we must be living for Jesus. We must be living like Jesus. If we are going to proclaim Jesus, that means that we are going to be finding joy for our journey. And that starts when we become known as people who give Jesus the glory, no matter the circumstances. So what are you known for? Are you known for those circumstances that we just made and said? Or are you known that you share Jesus despite those circumstances? Look again at verse 13. This is what Paul says. He says, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains, Paul's circumstances, for Christ. That's the important part. It became clear to everyone who was around Paul that despite his circumstances, and even though his circumstances, that they were, he was in chains for Jesus. Paul, Paul's imprisonment was for Jesus, and this became well known, not only through those who were guarding him, but through everyone else as, as well. Everyone knew why Paul was under arrest and in chains. It was for Christ. He had been arrested for proclaiming Jesus. I was reminded of Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 when they were arrested for proclaiming the name of Jesus in the temple. Do you remember what the religious leaders saw and recognized and saw that Peter and John were known for? He says, man, these guys are ordinary guys. <laughs> That's not all they recognize, though. He said, they're ordinary guys and unschooled, and yet they have been with Jesus. Even though Paul was in chains, everyone knew that Paul was in chains for Jesus. So, friends, what are you known for? Are you known for those circumstances that you find yourself in? Are you known as a single mother? Are you known as a hardworking father? Are you known as someone who's struggling to make ends meet? Are you known as a, a face of sickness or depression? Or do people know that you're the one who proclaims the name of Jesus even in all of those circumstances? Do people know you only for your circumstances? Or do they know that you give Jesus the glory, no matter the circumstances you face. So what are you known for? The second thing I want to ask you this morning is not only what are you known for, but what are you leading people 
2. Look again at verse 14. Paul says this. I don't know if I have this on the screen or not, but just, just listen to me. He says, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, and they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. They became confident in the name of Jesus to proclaim Jesus without fear. You see, Paul, even in his imprisonment, was leading others to trust in Jesus even more. He was leading others to proclaim the gospel without fear because Paul himself was continuing to proclaim the gospel without fear even though he was in prison. So what are you leading others to trust in? Are you leading others to trust in yourself or in a position or in a country or are because of how you give Jesus the glory no matter what the circumstances you face, are you leading others to trust in God? Are you leading others to proclaim the gospel without fear because that's what you're doing? Friends, others are watching you, you and me. Others are watching us. They see how you live. They see how you speak. They see how you act and how you do business. You and I are walking billboards for Jesus, whether we like to admit it or not. Others see us. So, are we leading others to trust in God or something else? Are we leading other people to trust in Jesus or not? One of our values here at Journey Church, not only for us as individuals, but for us as a church, is that we would live lives that are pleasing to God. And that means that every day we are joyfully giving God the best of everything that we are and everything that we have because we trust that Jesus is all that we need. And because we are being transformed by who he is and what he has done for us. And one of the results of us living lives that are pleasing to God, one of the results of us trusting that Jesus is all that we need is not only will our lives be pleasing to God, but we also will be setting examples for others and how they too can trust that Jesus is all they need. That they too can live lives that are pleasing to God. We set an example with our lives because they will see that no matter our circumstances, we are proclaiming Jesus in them. And we show them how to trust in Jesus in every single thing in their life, in their marriage, in their work, in their finances, in their parenting, in the, everything that they do. We show them through our example of us trusting Jesus. We show our spouses, we show our children, we show our neighbors, we show our coworkers, we show our friends what it means to live lives that are pleasing to God. Through our lives, we become examples that point others to trust in Jesus. And when we proclaim Jesus without fear, we show others that they too 
can proclaim the good news of Jesus without fear. Our lives back up and confirm the message that our lips are sharing. You see, it's not just enough for us to only live as examples, but we also must use our words to communicate the good news of Jesus with people. The very first thing that we have listed in our mission as a church is that we want to be a church that helps everyone discover their relationship with Jesus. And for us to be a church that helps everyone discover their relationship with Jesus means that we have to be a church that is proclaiming, that is sharing, that is talking about, that's using our words to share the good news of Jesus without fear. And then our lives that are transparent, not perfect, but transparent, are examples to back up the message that we share with our lips. So this morning as we close out, I want to just share with you two simple ways that you can communicate the good news of Jesus with people that you have built authentic relationships with. One of the great ways that we can share the gospel, that we can proclaim the gospel with people who we are building relationships with when God opens up those opportunities is simply for us to share our story with them. Now, in the church, we, we call that our testimony, right? We, we share our testimony, but it's really just your story, right? Your story of how you came to know and follow Jesus. And, and here's just a simple equation that you can use as you're trying to build your story and trying to put down your thoughts about how you came to know and follow Jesus. And, and that's just simply these three things. What was your life like before you came to know Jesus? What about Jesus changed you And what has been changed about you because of Jesus? So what was your life like before? What about Jesus really connected with you and called you to to repentance? And what has changed now? And that can be as simple as this. This is part of my story in kind of a simple form. That there was a time in my life when I was very self-centered. I thought that everything was about me. Okay, Suzanne, it's still not that time, all right? All right, I've gotten better, I think. (laughs) But I was, I was pretty self-centered. I thought the world revolved around me. And in fact, I only looked to other people for what they could do for me and what I could get from them. But then I learned that Jesus died for me. The most selfless act ever. And that sacrifice that he made for me, that selfless sacrifice that he made on my behalf, led me to put my trust in him and to repent of my sins, and to be baptized. And Jesus invited me to come and follow his example, and to turn away from my self-centeredness, and to learn to rather serve others and sacrifice for them. That's my story. What about you? Just as simple as that. What your life was like before, what connected with you about Jesus, and what has now changed. And I encourage you to write out your story, right? And maybe you're not going to sit there and read it while you're having a conversation with somebody, but it helps us to take our thoughts 
and from our head and use our hand to write them out. So write them out and then read them out loud. Practice sharing your story. Not so that it's, it's not mechanical, but just so that you're comfortable. Which It's, it's tough to talk about, about your personal life. You know, It's tough to talk about the things that you have gone through. So practice that. Write it out and practice it. That's one way that we can share the gospel. Uh, another great way is called the three circles. And I didn't come up with this, but this is just kind of a powerful way. Again, uh, the, the, as you are building a relationship with somebody and you, you're hanging out for coffee or you're grabbing lunch, uh, a, a simple way that you can kind of share the gospel with Jesus. You can grab a napkin or uh, a piece of paper, and you don't even have to be an artist, right? You can just draw some, some, some circles on that napkin. And, and in the first circle, you're going to draw something that just kind of reminds you of beauty, right? Uh, whether it's a heart or anything like that. And you can, you can kind of say this. You can say, hey, look, we don't have to look very far into the world to see that there's beauty, right? Whether it's a child's laugh or a sunrise or uh, having your hand held by some way that you love, we can see beauty in the world. But we also don't have to look very far to see that there's brokenness in the world, to see sickness and pain and suffering. And the reason that we can look into the world and see both, uh, we can see both beauty and also pain is because even though God created in the very beginning everything perfectly, this was God's plan, Adam and Eve, along with the rest of us, decided to rebel against God's plan and to go our own way. And the Bible calls that sin. And that sin has led us to our brokenness. That sin has led us to pain and suffering and sickness and evil and selfishness and all of these different things that we see around us. And we recognize this brokenness that is in us because many of us try to do something about this brokenness. But the problem is that we try to do something about our brokenness in ways that don't fix the brokenness. Some of us try to fix our brokenness by working really hard putting in 70 hours a week and doing all that we can. If I just work really hard, if I just become successful, if I get that title, man, then maybe this brokenness will be fixed in my life. If I earn this money, if I get this stuff. Others try to deal with their brokenness by looking towards other people. Man, she will complete me. He will fulfill me. Others look to try to fix or, or to to numb that brokenness simply by looking for their next thrill, the next moment of pleasure, and one more video, one more image. Others try to numb the pain with busyness and stuff or drugs or alcohol. But none of these things take care of, none of these things fix the brokenness that is in us. But God shows us his great love for us. And even though it was us that rebelled against God's plan, God shows us his love by sending his one and only son into the midst of our brokenness. Jesus came and humbled himself, living the life that you and I can't, perfect, without sin. And then Jesus died on the cross But that wasn't the end of Jesus' story because three days later, God raised him to life and not only raised him to life, but raised him and crowned him the king of kings. 
And it is through Jesus and Jesus alone that we can now be restored to God when we put our trust or believe in Jesus, when we repent of our sins and meet him in baptism. So what circle do you find yourself in? And would you like to be restored to God? This is another great way that you can communicate the gospel of Jesus with people who you are building relationships with. Another great way is through the book of Romans. In fact, we have some cards that are back here on the back table. Um, It's just called Sharing the Gospel, and it has just a list of of scriptures going through Romans. And Man, I encourage you to, to, to learn a number of ways to share the gospel so that as you are building relationships with those who are lost, and as God opens up opportunities for you to proclaim the good news of Jesus, that you are ready to do so. So find and learn a couple of different ways to share the gospel, whether it's sharing your story or the three circles or, or going through the book of Romans or all of those, and then practice them. Write your story out, read it out loud, practice it with your spouse, practice it with your life group so that you can become comfortable sharing the gospel with others so that when God opens up the opportunities for you to proclaim Jesus, you can do so without fear. What what are you known for? What are you leading people to? And are you proclaiming Jesus no matter the circumstances that you are in right now? Let's be a people that proclaims the good news of Jesus without fear, despite our circumstances. Let's be a people that is helping everyone to discover their relationship with Jesus. Because as we do, we will begin to discover joy for our journey. We pray with me. Father, thank you for the example of Paul, for the example of Corey Timboom and her sister Betsy. Thank you for the example of all those who have gone on before us who have shown us how to proclaim your name even in the midst of circumstances that we would normally complain about. Father, help us to give you thanks in all circumstances so that in and through us your name and the good news of your son Jesus will be preached. Help us to lead other people to trust in you and to proclaim the gospel without fear because we are proclaiming the gospel without fear. Help us to be a people who is helping everyone discover their relationship with you, God. Help us to share the gospel with our friends, with our neighbors and our coworkers, with our family. Would you use us as your people and remind us of the grace that you have given us through your son, Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.